And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. Even losses feel like wins. When you're with your good friend Tim, it's 77 minutes in heaven. Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that cannot explain the very subject that we're talking about. Every podcast you listen to is going to be like, we're going to explain this thing. We're going to tell you about this thing. We're going to say uh, the subject of this episode. You're going to learn more about it. You're going to have a better understanding of what it is. You will not end this episode with any better understanding of the Mavericks because I don't understand them. I don't know what's going on. Austin Gurria. What just happened that lost? I'm Tim Cato. You know me. You know Austin. We're recording in person. There's all that podcast stuff you're supposed to say. What? We just watched this game. Just this, We watched the second half together. What the hell? What just happened? I think when you're putting the ball into the basket and then you go several minutes without putting the ball into the basket, it's bad for your basketball team. I, I don't know if, if other people or other analysts are saying that out there, but... I'm a big fan of putting the ball into the basket, and they stopped doing that in the fourth quarter. All right, that's actually an explanation. So I I, I lied into the intro. We're we're already we're already taking it back. Uh, the Mavericks, a team that would do better, they put the ball in the basket. Seriously, um, nine points up until uh, Dylan Brooks fouled Christian Wood on a meaningless three point attempt. Uh, they scored nine points in the in the fourth quarter. The offense just tumbled. There was a moment in late in the third when the Mavericks built up a sixteen point lead. And you're like, this is going to be a fun one to talk about. This is going to have a lot of interesting things to... I still think it's interesting. I still think there are very interesting things to talk about, but in a very different way. It, it's almost like the fourth quarter snuck up on me. I, I guess the way I'd explain it is that we've seen how the NBA, especially this season, especially with the three-point shooting, that you know the way scoring has evolved, games just go back and forth in runs. And... A team can build a lead, and then it can get erased. But usually, it doesn't keep going. At some point, the other team that has looked better throughout the course of the game goes on their own run. And that just kept not happening. I kept, I guess in my head, just expecting that to happen. And it didn't. And the Grizzlies just built up a lead that they won the game with. Yeah, it was... I thought they built a very healthy lead in the third quarter. And also, the Grizzlies made their comeback... Like the majority of the time with their with their bench unit and Saudi Aldama and Conchar and uh, Tyus Jones was very good today. And I thought, honestly, I thought this was going to be a game we talked. I mean, we're still going to talk about him, but I thought this was maybe Jaden Hardy's best game as a pro. He he was actually the only reason they even scored nine points in the fourth quarter. He he had a couple of baskets there in the fourth quarter when the Grizzlies made a run where he stopped the run. He had a, he had a big three to put him back up by eight. 
I thought when they sub Kyrie back in with the six minute mark was a good sub, you know, and Kyrie was just going to come in and just, you know, hit a few shots and, and close the game. And I think, I think what made the game such a, a, a weird and difficult watch in the fourth quarter is that Kyrie got to his spots. He got to the places that he normally takes shots from and he just, he missed a lot of short jumpers that he, he normally makes and jumpers that he was making in the beginning of this game. And he just couldn't make any. And then the, sh- the open three pointers that they got, they didn't, they didn't make, you know, I think they also, they, they couldn't get to the free throw. And I think maybe you kind of saw the difference between Luca and Kyrie towards in, in the stretch run of a game where Luca can kind of just bait his way to the free throw line when things go bad because he's so big and he can use his size to just slow the game down and get free throws. And that just didn't happen for them. And they just, I mean, that was their, up until Wood hit that three, that was their lowest scoring quarter of the season. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I have a long running joke, you know, dating back to my time at Mavs Moneyball that me and Mavs Moneyball's Josh Bow has, you know, like we have the same Mavs take just constantly. And I always like to shout him out because he, he did tweet this and I didn't. I tweeted something after the game about how I can't quite explain what just happened. And Josh Bow actually tweeted back at me and was just like, yeah, the Mavs did not have a three-point advantage. Um, they made one more three, 11 of 36 from the three-point line, while Memphis went uh, 10 of 35. And he's right. Consistently throughout Mavs wins, because they do not get easy points, they don't get offensive rebounds, they don't get fast break points, the way they win the math is being highly efficient on offense, getting a lot of free throws, but especially shooting and making more threes. They didn't do that this game. That's a big part of it. The other one is what you referenced is that Kyrie got hurt at some point. Um, not at some point. We, we saw exactly when it happened. He, he turned his ankle. And I'm curious, you have a, a long history with ankle injuries, but I do think that it was very clear that from that moment, uh, he just looked different. And, and whether it was, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, causation doesn't equal correlation. Maybe he just played a bad second half. But when you see an injury like that and then you see a player who was on on their way probably to score, you know, 40, it felt like all of a sudden just get tweaked, you know, or, or just get diminished in, in their output on the game. You know, it's it's reasonable to think that might that might have had some effect. So when we saw that happen, you had a, a story to tell which I'd, I'd love for you to share on this podcast. I think it's actually a really interesting story about how, you know, ankle injuries like this work. Oh, yeah. So this, <laughs> Kyrie basically rolled his ankle the, the opposite way. So most people roll their ankle on the outside and we've, we've seen just different degrees of rolling your ankle. When you roll it the other way, either it's kind of a binary roll, either you completely destroy your ankle or you'll be fine and it just feels a little unstable. I once rolled my ankle the opposite way in college during a game and I took off my cleat. This, what sport is this? In soccer. And I took my cleat off and all of my teammates gasped at the size of my ankle. You would have been in Qatar at the World Cup up until this. I, I, I would have made it. I would have been pro had I not just absolutely destroyed my ankle. But you're So you're not looking at your ankle and, and you just hear the reaction of the teammates. I hear all of my teammates just <laughs> gasp at how large my ankle looks after it's... <laughs> 
<laughs> After I take off my cleaves. So that, uh, are, we talk, are we talking baseball, softball, grapefruit. cantaloupe, grapefruit, watermelon? It was a grapefruit size. Grapefruit. Okay. Was, okay. That's that. That is a that is a larger size than I think an ankle should be. It, it was not. It's not great. Anytime you look at your foot and it's and you can't put it into a shoe, not not a good time. But it definitely looked like that tweak affected Kyrie. I mean, he's also dealt with foot soreness. I think I talked to you about this. Like that that foot soreness probably stems back to his time at Duke, where he missed a whole year due to that toe injury and probably just didn't really trust his trust yeah his i hadn't i hadn't made that connection until you mentioned it to me that that you know ever, ever i feel like everybody knows Kyrie like missed the whole year at duke and all that i didn't realize it was foot and that foot that right toe and that's the thing he's like was right toe right foot that's how that's why he missed basically his entire season at duke and so it makes sense that he missed trust he was playing great he was the Mavericks were just taking turns giving buckets to, to Dylan Brooks and they needed him to, to score in the fourth quarter. They're, they're built on isolation basketball. They're built on tough shot making and three point makes, and they didn't get either in the fourth quarter. Um, I thought Jane, again, I thought Jane Hardy was great in this game. I thought he really gave him a lift. That was, I think we saw what his role could eventually be like when he's, when he, once he's in the league for a few years, uh, being just like a, a six man that comes in and just can score in a in a hurry. He scored twenty points in nineteen minutes. It's pretty pretty impressive for a rookie in a game that was that a lot of stakes and that he had a lot of big shots. Where honestly, there were possessions where no one on the court wanted to shoot with Jaden Hardy. Right. I mean, this level of development. I'm not trying to go overboard here. Um, I think with the Mavs, you know, if if Lucas here and. Whether or not Kyrie's here, you know, yeah, that's that's probably the role that they're looking for the next few years. Um, there might be a team that is interested in something larger, um, like the the level of development, the the way that this guy is progressing, um, the three point shooting, which was not supposed to come this quickly. Um, you know, when I talk to people about Jaden Hardy, the, the the worries was like, yeah, he's got the mid range game. But it's the it's the concerns about how quickly his three point three pointer is going to come along, and he could always get to his three point shots. But just being able to get to your shot does not mean you make it at a you know efficient enough level. But I've talked to people within the team that it's like the you know like they have all the metrics to track you know how he shoots and practice and things like that. They're pretty high. Like they're they're optimistic, encouraging signs. Whereas you know. He's. I. I would imagine he's still shooting. I can look this up, but I think he's probably still shooting under thirty percent on the no. season. On Is threes? he? Up? Yeah, on threes. No, he's at thirty six. He was. He was down under thirty, and it was one of those things that I just kind of brushed aside. This makes sense. He's. He might this, be higher than that. At this, honestly, at this point, yeah. No, he's making a lot of threes and a lot of tough threes. Yeah, in, in a way that it just like really jumps out, and he has the numbers to back it up. In a way that it's it's not just small sample size. But it's also he's a rookie who has inconsistent mechanics. If you really watch, I feel like you can see it every once in a while where it's like that shot looked a little bit different than the other. That's something you iron out. When you're 20, you do that, you know? And when you're 24, after four more years in an NBA, you know, just making this your job, you get better at that stuff. And, and like if he's this good now, I'm just saying. The thing is, he's just, he's just so confident. And I think yeah. what's, what's helped him develop his three-point shot at a much faster rate is that he played in the G League last year, and he shot NBA threes for an entire season. He got to shoot a lot of NBA threes. He got a lot of good reps in the G League this year. He shot the three ball really well in the G League. He was like 
50, like 48, 90 in the G League. And so he can shoot the basketball and he just he just needs more reps. It's still really funny. I haven't checked this stat in a week or two, but uh, I believe he remains the G League's leading scorer by average. <laughs> Love he, that. The, the guy's a bucket. He's a pure bucket. If if their guard rotation moving forward, let's say if, if Kyrie does resign here and you have a guard rotation of Luca, Kyrie, and Jaden Hardy, that's that's a problem. That's a that's really difficult to guard for forty eight minutes. He's the league's well, maybe not the league's first, but um. He's one of the league's Gen Z hoopers. Oh yeah, he's so he's the a Zoomer hooper, just like. <laughs> so so here's my uh, sporting accomplishment story. You were actually here, um, but I played basketball. I played five and five basketball for the first time in a few years. I entered into semi retirement, and then um, like Jordan, I decided it was time to come back, and I did not play well at all. But in our in in our defense, you were on my team. We were playing against what uh, children, but like very tall, athletic children, all like late teens, like clearly juniors and seniors in high school, maybe younger. I don't know. I don't know what a junior or senior high school looks like. Every single one of them could shoot a step back three. And that's what I mean about Jaden, where like it feels like every player coming out of college has the mechanics, has the footwork, you know, like the like they can get into a step back three. But Jaden is making them like every player. It feels like so many of these guards coming up, you know, have the ability to shoot that shot. But clearly, I don't know if you've heard this before, Austin. It's a make or miss league. It's a make or miss league. And in the NBA, it's a uh, make two out of every five league. You know, you know, when you're open, make half of them. And Jaden's efficiency has really, you know, it wasn't supposed to come this quickly. Um, even his ability to get to the rim. I don't think the Mavericks were expecting that. Like, they really liked him as a, you know, as a slashing, driving guard with decent vision. They liked uh, his ability to get to the rim against the competition that he faced, but they weren't sure it was going to immediately adjust to the NBA. And they liked the idea that he could develop into a really knockdown three-point shooter. But I think I think he's blown away those expectations. And so, really interesting player. Do you think he should have come back into the game? Because like you said, it was, it was you know, the Mavericks kind of went with their classic, typical isolation approach. Jaden Hardy goes out of the game with five minutes left, exactly five minutes left. And their one isolation scorer was a, you know, a guy who was not scoring well. Yeah, I think it's a tough call because Jaden was playing well and you would have expected Kyrie to come in and make shots. That's what he's done the entire season is Kyrie Irving. So, you know, it's just... Yeah, the leading... The it, NBA's leading fourth quarter scorer. The NBA's scorer. leading fourth quarter scorer, and he was playing really well today and anticipating him going old eight. And he... Again, he also... He got to his spots. He got off good shots. He just missed shots. I mean, you could say they maybe played Jaden over Josh Green, but maybe you sacrificed a little defense. Um, it's it's hard. I don't, I don't know who you would play him over in that scenario where you don't feel like you're giving up a lot on the defense fan because... Also, they were giving up so many rebounds. I think they really wanted to play big because they were getting killed on the offensive glass. So I, I didn't track this. I, I probably sh- should have pulled out this number. I don't remember them playing a single big. You know, if, if we're counting Bertans, like they played too big the entire game. They played they started for by himself for like a few minutes, but for the majority of the game, it was too big. So. Yeah, and <laughs> it's really funny how... I wrote it, uh, Istak Franco wrote it, wrote it uh, a few other people around Mavs' fear um, you know, talked about it, mentioned it. 
And then Jason Kidd was just like, yeah, well, okay, fine. You guys want me to play two bigs? I'll do it. It's just like, I know that's not actually how this is working out. Hey, Tim, but Tim he, he's watching just like us. He's trying to please us. He's that's another he's, quote. He's trying to please. You heard that one, right? Yeah. He's being, he's being straightforward. He's, oh, boy. He's clear, he talks about communication. It's clear communication. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> it's very clear that, like, like fans can deservedly be mad at the postgame quotes. They're silly. They're, they don't fit the moment. Um, it's very clear he still has the buy-in of the team. Um, you know, Callie Kaplan had a good story on this over the weekend where she talked to a bunch of players about this. Yeah, they're not going to come out and diss the dude. But, like, I felt like... I felt like I read a lot of honesty and like over the top enthusiasm for the way Jason Kidd approaches them. Um, you know, him jumping into the bottom of the of the you know the dog pile yeah. when Maxi hits that three in, in LA, you know, I think that is very representational of the way that he has built up this locker room that, you know, he can be very passive at times um in his demeanor, in his like physical demeanor. But like he is there backing them. Um, obviously, I I wonder if him getting in that pot of the, wh- whether the discourse around him, you know, might have affected that moment a little bit. Not not in a not in a uh, subversive way, but like in a like thank God he hit that because it means something to me too. But I think that's good. I think that's cool. If you want to criticize Jason Kidd, you can. And the fact that that was the first time that they had, you know, hit a game-tying or game-winning shot. You know, there's a lot of on-court stuff that has nothing to do with his demeanor or post-game quotes that I think is fair to criticize. I'm not out here really caring about what he says in the media, except that I think it's very funny. (laughs) 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 And so... (laughs) So, well, uh, I'm still trying to have a, uh, hopefully have a podcast uh, a little bit more focused on that because I think it's an interesting conversation to have. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
Um, we'll see about Kyrie. Um, I don't know exactly, you know, obviously fingers crossed that injury is not serious, whether he was affected by it or not. Hopefully it's something that passes over. That's, you know, just basic humanity one-on-one. You don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not choosing interest sides or, or rooting interest to say, you know, not biased journalist, but yeah, no, I don't want players to get hurt. I'm uh, rooting against injuries always. Um, and then Luca will be back, I guess, maybe. At some point this week, I guess he's still alive. He's still on the bench. I see him. He's there. Yeah. What? What do you? How do you feel about the team just generally? Like, let, let me. Let me. It's been maybe a couple of weeks since we talked on the pod. Like, I don't think we've actually seen healthy Luca and Kyrie at the same time. I don't think Luca has looked right since before the All Star break. So, so that's what I mean. It still feels. I still feel like they're still incomplete. Like, I don't have a real opinion on what the. It's that been like a like. a weird purgatory or at least a stasis for um over a month now. Yeah. Where neither player, you know, first it was Kyrie integrating, then Luca, you know, after the break was back, but then very quickly Luca didn't look right and then Kyrie looked right. And they're trying to get Maxi back into the like the rotation. It's it's been it's been Maxi has missed one, Tim Hardaway's, you know, sure, a player here and there is always gonna miss a time or two. But it, they have not had a consistent stretch of it of things looking right. And I will say, you know, my understanding is that Luca is as much, you know, returning to the right physical shape to be in as he is like rehabbing specific injuries and ailments. I don't know exactly what to read into him lumping around after the the maxi game winner. I do think he will be back within a few games, but he hasn't looked right physically in a lot of ways. Uh, injuries and beyond since the all-star break something i've been saying i've been harping on the pod you know i know and i love y'all but i know some slovenians on twitter have pushed back anytime that i've been like and they've been like look at his numbers and that's and, and my response has been yeah he's not as impactful and he's still doing you know he's so good 30 at, 10 yeah. and 10 it's crazy he's which is good. which is a testament to him but he has not been as impactful since the break. Um, he certainly has not been impactful the past five games. I would say um, since he hurt his heel, since he went up and he tried to, who did he try to dunk on? <laughs> he hurt his, was it Jonas Valanciunas? Was it Jonas Valanciunas? He, he tried to dunk on somebody and that's when he hurt his heel and he has not been the same since he tried to do that. I want to ask him when he gets back for, well, it's kind of for another story I'm working on, uh, one that's going to be out in a couple weeks. Eh, I'll, I'll just tease it like that. But I want to ask him whether he's going to change his approach to dunking. Because he, he had a brief phase. He it was, was like, it was a few games in a row where he's just like, I'm going to try to yam on people. He was, and he was doing it. That's why I'm that's why he I, had one good one. He had a couple, but that's why I also can tell that he's not right physically because like he stopped doing those things. Yeah. He stopped trying to push himself physically in games and push himself in transition. You can just tell, you can, you can always tell when Luca is at his 100% peak athletic ability. And, and I'll say the, the two things. Luca is dealing with, you know, they run together. Luca, would you agree, is very durable overall. He yeah. plays through a lot of injuries. But look, man, if you're if you're carrying a few too many pounds or whatever it is, if you're not in the right shape, if you're a little heavy, if you're, you know, the season has worn you down, that's also when you get injured. That's when you pick up na- nagging ailments. And the stuff he has right now is like a thigh strain and before that a heel contusion. And it's stuff that, you know, it all builds on itself. And it's probably hard to keep in the best shape, you know, when you're dealing with lower body injuries that are going to directly affect, you know, your build, uh, ability to cardio. 
Um, I know this is a reoccurring thing with him. I'm, I'm, you know, not, you know, I'm just, I'm just bringing it up as, as, you know, kind of, kind of my understanding of the situation, kind of like my understanding of covering Luca for as many years as I have, that these are all things that build with him. But the one thing the Mavericks can do is get him right. Because like, that's, that's what the season hinges on. They're winning just enough games and the rest of the conference is losing enough games that they got the time here. They got a little bit of time to wait this out to make sure that he is ready to get back in, you know, get be himself, be the best version we've seen of him. That's that's what's a shame that they lost the game tonight because they if they had won tonight, they really would have bought themselves some breathing room because now they've fallen back into seventh place. Because this Warriors game is very important. If they can beat the Warriors and they get to play, they get the reward of playing the Hornets twice and playing the Pacers. Whew. So that's, that's a nice little three-game spell where they can rack up some wins. Dennis Smith Jr. revenge game. Oh, man. I believe it. But to, to answer your initial question, how you feel? How do I feel about this team? I, I have no idea. This team, I, I legitimately have zero expectation in that I think they can win any first-round series. And I also think they could get swept in any first-round series. I can also think they could lose in the play-in. But if you told me they, they won two series in a row because Luka and Kyrie were amazing and they figured out the defense for a little while, I, I would believe it. Like I, The West has never been more open. I'm not even more open. Just It's never been more mediocre. The West is just like the treadmill of mediocrity has never been so long and filled with so many teams. <laughs> There's not a single team right now that I think anyone feels good about. Quite honestly... I think right now I fear the Kings the most. I think the Kings are the most together team, the team that is like knows who they are. The team that got walloped today. They did. <laughs> they did get walloped today. Or was that? Did they, they actually? They, we, you and me, we saw the uh, the first quarter. They, they came back. Look at it. it's one. <laughs> oh my god! I'm telling you. So I'm just gonna say this for the podcast. I you know I know not everybody's checking NBA scores all the time. Um, the Sacramento Kings played the Utah Jazz on Monday night, and there's six minutes, seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, so we do not know how this game's going to end. But the Sacramento Kings lost the first quarter to the Utah Jazz 40-19, to and they're currently tied with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I told you. I feel good about them. I actually, that's the team that I wouldn't want to see. What a stupid sport. I, I would rather go to Denver. I'd rather see the Nuggets than see the Kings. I don't want to play against the Beam they, their vibes are very. They're way I don't too know good. if I'd go that far. I'd rather see Sacramento than I'd rather see Denver than Sacramento. And I'm not. I've actually. I'm not even a Jokic should be MVP guy. But Luca and Jokic. Luca and a Jokic should be feared guy. Luca and Kyrie are going to have Jokic in a absolute torture chamber for seven games. That's that is a terrible t- team for Denver to face. That's probably true. I will say the Mavs couldn't break down often enough a show and recover scheme that the Warriors use with stuff. In the conference finals, I think there's other reasons for that. You could argue that they did break it out; they just didn't make shots. The, the, but. the Nuggets stink on defense, and also Luke has been historically good against them every single year. He has been actually. They, yeah. they he destroys them every single year. Like they've never been an issue for the Mavs. Well, it would have been his best game winner. Well, man, the and one dunk. But that also speaks to why you should fear Jokic because yeah, he had the and one dunk that could have won them the game. His best dunk ever. He's he he agrees with this. I, I've. I can't remember the last good dunk he had this season. He had a, he had a good one in February or January, and I remember asking him, and he's like, "Yeah, still probably the Denver one." The Denver one was good, but Jokic just hit like a fall away twenty footer yeah. rainbow arcing. He did, he did a buzzer beater. Yeah, 
But I'd, r- I'd rather see just Jokic than see Darren Fox and Sabonis. Mm. And, and the beam. And the beam. I'm, I'm afraid of the beam. I'm, their, their vibes are too good. I was in Sacramento, you know, when the Mavs had that, that doubleheader there. It, it definitely goes up way into the sky. <laughs> so, you know, I, I know that some of you guys are out there saying like, oh, you know, maybe it's more of like a, uh, a, a pin light. No, it's a no, beam. no, no, it's a beam. And it goes very high. I, I honestly, this is crazy. I couldn't see where it ends. I don't really know how light works. It scares me, but that one went way up there. The Kings are connected to a celestial being, and that's why they're probably <laughs> going to the playoffs this year. It's, it, it took something greater outside of this earth to get into the playoffs, and I don't want to mess with that. I just, the, I don't want to mess with that vibe. They, they're going to go somewhere, and no. I don't want to be a part of that. Summer's coming up. It's going to be hot King summer. Toke. Yeah. This podcast is spiraling. Right. This always yeah. happens when we talk in person. It's just, it's just, it's going in a bad place. Really what you guys are, I, I made this joke, but I wasn't, I was only half joking. Like we should have just recorded the conversations we were having during the game. We could have just done a live stream. Honestly, this pod was going great. And then it kind of just tailed off in the fourth quarter, just like that Mavs and Kings game. Uh, I would never score only Oh, I'm looking at the wrong box score. I'm still looking at the Kings Jazz box score. <laughs> twelve points. They scored twelve points in the fourth quarter. That's 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 the correct number of points that the Mavs scored. I would score more than that if I were them. Anyway, Jaden Hardy probably he. I think he had played the whole fourth quarter up to the fourth uh, to the five minute mark, but maybe would have thrown him back in there at some point. Yeah. Um, hit more threes. You know, it's it's a thing the team usually does. There's a lot of variance that goes into that. If this was a one-off game in in November, you know, I'd kind of brush it aside. They but got, they got to win every game right now. In in late March, losses like this matter, and that was a really tough one. And despite that, this is just a weird, like it's you a said, weird year. It's a weird year, but it's a weird time to try to be like, what is this team? Most of the time, actually, I've I've got one more thing. So I have this whole argument about how the NBA season should be 72 games. I'm one of many people. I'm joining a crowd of hipster NBA nerds who just like shorten the season. I mean, I do believe it. One of my reasons that I've always argued that it should be 72 games, not 82 games, is that almost always at the 72 game mark, I have a very good sense of what a team is. Like every Mavericks team I've covered at 72 games, I have a great sense of who they are. Back at SB Nation, when I was covering the league more broadly, I usually felt like the teams I was focusing on most, I had a pretty good sense of who they were. So why do you need the other 10 games? And I'm not, we're not going to go deep into the, you know, expansion, monetary loss, revenue, scarcity, all that stuff. I think there's still really good arguments for it. This is not the case this season. The Mavericks are literally at... 10 games remaining? Is that correct? I want to say seven. They're literally at 10 the 70, games remaining. 10 games. They're at the yes. 72 game mark. They're 36 and 36. There are 10 games remaining. I have no clue what this, uh, what this team is. I can't remember if I said this on last week's podcast. Um, I want to say I said it in a private. I'm just going to say it again. I think they have an equally likely chance to lose in the play-in and make it to the conference finals. I think there's a small chance of both of those. But I think there is an equally likely chance of both of those things happening. That's a pretty damn big variance for a team that has played 72 games for you just have no idea. They, they, they are what their record says they are. Dead even. Dead even. 
The and, and that's that's how I would count this this Maverick team. Just a pure binary, just dead even. There could be any chance. You, you want to you, if you want to expect something, don't. You want to be negative. You want to be positive. Don't be either. Just just live in the now because this team you you will never know what they're going to do to you. Gray wear gray colors the rest of the week. Um, somebody asks you how your day is. Say it was all right. It was okay. It's not good. It's not bad. Neutrality. Honestly, let's move to Switzerland. All of us. You ever heard of Geneva? Has a great convention. I was going to say, they have a good convention. I just... Man. Brings people people together. And that's what... Well, bring people in near places. Not together, not apart. Just in the same spaces. On that note, thank you for listening. Or, you know, being in some neutral state of hearing the podcast as it happens enduring i would say probably (laughs) austin thank you for enduring uh we'll be back later this week see ya he plays fortnite just like me i am 34 don't fight the future honey don't fight the future the future is luke a big dick donjic from the home of melania trump How many kids you have? Don't fight the future, it tears me apart. Don't fight the future, please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. Oh my god! Shut it down! Let's go home! (laughs) It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.